This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Last time we talked about the benefits of generosity, and there were seven main points about that, which I'll just mention briefly. One, when we are generous people, we are aligning with God's purpose because our God is a generous God of abundance. Number two, when we are generous people, we also add a deeper and divine meaning and purpose for our lives so that we don't live lives that are meaningless or vanity. Rather, they're full of meaning because we have the generous heart of God. Number three, we become vessels of God's honor, vessels through whom he can move to bless other people in the world. And number four, we are people who are blessed to be a blessing, and so therefore others are blessed and helped because of our generosity. So that's number four, that others are blessed and helped because of our generosity. And then number five, we receive physical, mental, spiritual renewal as a result of the generosity that we show towards others. God in turn takes care of us, our mental health, physical health, and our spiritual health. Number six, generosity begets generosity. So God will move on other people in our lives and circumstances so that they open their hands of generosity towards us. You just might be at the store and it could occur, as I said before, you get the baker's dozen and not just the 12. And then seven, being a generous person, this is God's will for you and for me. So those are the benefits of generosity. Again, revisit it. And today we're going to be speaking more about the connection between generosity and trust in God. And what God wants us to know is that when we're not generous with others, we're basically saying that we don't trust God to provide for us. That's essentially what we're saying. And God wants us to trust him because he is trustworthy. And he is the one who said, if you have my priorities and do the things that I've asked you to do, then I will take care of all the rest, as we talked about last time. And in fact, there are some words of warning and some words of reminder for those who are rich in the world. And Paul was writing this in 1 Timothy. It's the sixth chapter. And we can look at verses 17 and 18, and it says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold 
on eternal life. So in essence, what we're seeing here is that we don't put our trust in the physical provisions and the wealth and the riches. Rather, we put our trust in the one who dispenses all that, and that one is the living God. He's the one who richly gives us all things to enjoy. And so Paul is reminding the rich people to do good, to be rich in good works, be ready to give, be willing to share. And rather than storing up a lot of goods in their barns down here on the earth, he's telling them to store up a good foundation for the time to come, which will then lead them to a welcome and eternal life with God himself. And as we're talking about the man storing up in his barns, there's a parable that Jesus tells. And it's about a man who sits back and he says, soul, you are rich. You have so many goods laid up in store. You don't have to worry about a thing for a long time. And he had so many things that he didn't even have barns big enough to hold all of his wealth. So he says, I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns. And so he was building bigger barns to store all of his increase. And what he failed to realize is that even our very lives, even the very breath that we breathe, these all belong to God. And he's the one that says how long they're going to go. That very night, this man lost his life. His soul was required of him. And then the question was, well, whose stuff is all this going to be now that you're gone? So the point is, be generous while you're here. Share with other people while you're here. And maybe if he was sharing more, he wouldn't have had to worry about building so many big barns. Everything that we have, it comes from God, even our very own lives, even the air that we breathe. It belongs to him. And at any moment, he can cut any one of us off from breathing his air if he so chose to do. So when we are generous with others, number one, we recognize that God is our source for everything. God refers to himself as owning the cattle on a thousand hills. He says in Psalms 24, the first verse, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There is nothing down here that does not already belong to him. And we are using it really at his grace that we use God's riches. So again, he's provided for us and promised to provide And we have to remember that he is the owner of it all. So number two, everything that we have, we have received from God. Everything we have has come from his hand. And one example of just this acknowledgement that everything we have, we've received it from God and it comes from God, comes from 1 Chronicles. And this is the 29th chapter, starting with verse 12. And it says, both riches and honor come from you, meaning God, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. 
But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. Isn't that amazing? Just to know they could give generously because they were giving back to God what he already had given to them. And therefore they thanked God, they praised God because they recognized the source of their strength, the source of their ability. And we also know from James, the first chapter and verse 17, that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And if we ask for bread, he's not going to give us a stone. He gives us that which is useful, that which is needful, that which is helpful. And in him is no darkness at all and no shadow of turning. Our God is faithful in the sense that he continues to bless us. Number three, we are stewards of God's resources. So we've already established that the resources don't belong to us. They belong to God. And he's just put us in charge of taking care of what belongs to him. And a couple of examples come to mind when I think about Daniel and I think about Joseph in the first covenant of God. And Daniel was in the king's house. He was in a foreign land. He was in Babylonian captivity and he was serving the king and he had reign and rule over the king's possessions. Though those possessions did not belong to him, the king paid attention to his advice and to his wisdom and to his counsel. He was a steward, a good steward over what the king possessed to help the king to make good decisions with what he had from God. And likewise, Joseph was also presiding over a king's household, the Pharaoh of Egypt. And in his case, as they were preparing for the famine to come, which God had revealed to the king through a dream that Joseph interpreted, the king, Pharaoh, told everyone in the land to do what Joseph said to do, because clearly he recognized that Joseph's wisdom came from God and God was instructing Joseph on everything to do. And so Joseph prepared for the years of famine in a profound way. God gave him everything he needed to know what to do and how to do it. And as such, he ended up being a good steward over the Pharaoh's possessions. And likewise, we serve a king. We serve a mighty and great king, the king of kings, God himself. And we are stewards here on this earth of those possessions, which he has entrusted to us to distribute to others as others have need, and as he puts on our heart to distribute these resources. And that brings us to number four, which is that very often we need to ask guidance about where it is that God wants us to work and where it is that he wants us to be his generous people. Every assignment out there is not necessarily for you to fill. So make sure that the assignment 
that you are filling is the one that God has ordained for you. Every need that's out there is not for you to embrace. There may be others that God is calling to respond to a certain thing. So pay attention to how the Spirit of God moves upon your heart and touches you in different situations so that you are led by God and led by His Spirit, led by His Word, and also the touch that He gives with His Word in real time as you face circumstances and situations. We know that in Jesus' life on earth, there were many people who were ill, many people who were blind, many people who were deaf. He did not necessarily heal all of them, but there were certain ones for certain purposes of God the Father that God would be glorified, that he did in fact heal. The same is true on some level in our lives that God will lead us to the people that he wants us to bless. I'm remembering a time when I was out in a public format, and frequently I do a lot of my giving more through, I'd say, official channels very often, or people that I may know personally, who I know have a need and so on, so it can be verified, rather than on the streets per se, because it can be dangerous to open up purses and wallets, so on, on the street. And I remember a particular day, I was uh, on my way to the airport and I had to stop at a Walmart to pick up a needed item. It was in broad daylight, I recall. And I remember as I came out of the Walmart and I went to my car, suddenly this man pops up out of nowhere. Mind you, it's sunny and bright. It's not dark in the least. And he was an older gentleman that kind of had a grandfatherly kind of a look. And when I saw him and when I looked at him and he then asked me to give him a ride to go pick up his car, which he claimed was in the shop at that time. And I remember getting a check in my spirit to say, rather than to see him as a grandfatherly figure, I saw him as a threat and a danger. And it was such a profound feeling. I knew that I was not to take this man and drive him anywhere. I was early enough for my flight. I could have done it in terms of time, but I felt the spirit of the Lord was warning me, this is not a mission for you. And you know, as I thought about it later, I said, in broad daylight with so many people around at Walmart, why was this man asking a woman to give him a ride? Why couldn't he ask a man to give him a ride? I don't know what his intentions were. However, what I do know is that God was making it very clear to me that that was not my mission for that day. Now, in another circumstance, I remember I was working and I was doing a project at a local hotel and it was daytime again in this situation. And I had come out of the hotel and I was putting items into my trunk because I had to change clothes for whatever it was that I was doing. And these two young teenage girls approached me and they needed a ride someplace. And I was a little bit skeptical because mind you, it's two of them. And one was going to be behind me. One was going to be beside me. And who knows what might happen in the situation. However, in that situation, I really felt the spirit of God saying to me, yes, you help them. You drive them to where they need to go. And I also talked to them about many things 
and provided some spiritual mentoring and counsel as I perceived that they needed a word from the Lord that they didn't already have. And so that was more of a divine appointment in that situation. So you want to really pay attention to what God is saying to you in circumstances. There was a reason that Jesus prayed every single day and for lengthy periods of time being in the Father's presence. And I am sure that God strengthened him and God gave him wisdom for every scenario to know whether this is one to participate in or not. So he was relying on God the Father, even though he was God the Son, during the time that he was in a physical body here on this earth. And then number five, I would say, is that sometimes our giving is spontaneous, and it is in the moment, and it's unexpected. And other times we are preparing for the giving that we are doing. So number five is prepare for generosity. That means, again, not spending everything that you have on something that you want to do, saving some that could be shared with other people. In other words, don't reap the field all the way to the corners. Leave something for those who may need a blessing and a gift from you. It's just as in the early church days in 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, and Paul was reminding them that they, they had promised to give a gift to the Jewish believers who had come to believe in the Messiah and who were going through a season of poverty, and oftentimes to other churches also in the region, churches had promised to give. And he says, don't wait until I come and then start gathering these gifts. But he says, gather them in advance so that on the first day of the week, you will already have these gifts in place and you can then offer them and they can be given to the people in need who require them. So that requires preparation, that requires planning, that requires some advanced notice, if you will, to yourself. I'd also like to read something from 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, which again is an example of a group of believers who had planned to do some giving. And this is the reminder to them about those plans and how they should handle it. So 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and starting with verse 5, and it says, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully, so that each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good 
work. So keep in mind, he's saying to them, these people had promised and pledged that they were going to give a generous gift. So Paul is sending others to help them to get ready for that time when he would be sending people to collect the gift. And he wanted them to do it from hearts of generosity, not out of obligation, and to be cheerful about it. So if they had planned in advance, they were saving up. It would not be a strain. It would not be so hard in in the situation. And then he reminds them that if you sow sparingly, you're not giving very much, you're also going to reap a spare harvest, if you will. It's the same when you're planting in a field of produce. More seed that you plant, the more of a crop it's going to come back. So he's telling them, if you sow bountifully, you also will reap bountifully. And he says, give as you have purposed. In other words, as you have decided in advance in your heart. And then he reminds them that God is able to make all grace abound to them so that they would have sufficiency in all things. That is pretty powerful. And when we think about how our God operates and we can prepare to be his generous people. So as we are closing today, I want to remind you that, again, there are many charitable organizations to which you can give at this time. And I remind you to remember Sebastian and his family at curemec.org. Remember to give to find a cure for this currently incurable cancer. And you can participate in that. Remember to pray for Sebastian and his family. We know that God is the great physician. God is a healer. And we also invite you to give to Pastor Gakura and the church in Rwanda. And we remind you to give to the Bible League for people all across the globe to have the meat and the food of God's word in their lives. In order to give to others, you really have to prepare yourself. And we find that these Corinthian believers that we just read about, they first prepared themselves. So this is 2 Corinthians, the eighth chapter, verses one through five. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. This point is so important. When we first give ourselves to the Lord, then we are able to give ourselves to others. And as we give ourselves first to God, he is the one that allows us to sometimes give beyond our ability to give sacrificially. And these people were in poverty themselves, and yet their liberality abounded 
in terms of the riches that they shared with other people. So no matter who you are, you have something to give. It may not be monetary or it may be. And the more you plan, the more you give yourself to God, he will show you how and he will bless you with resources to give when you have a heart to give. So just remember, there is a connection between generosity and trusting in God because we have to know and believe that he is the source of all that we have. So recognize God, number one, is the source of everything. Number two, recognize that everything we have, we have received from God. Number three, we are stewards of not our resources, but of God's resources as they all belong to him. Number four, ask for his guidance. He will lead you to where he wants you to work, where he wants you to be a blessing. Number five, prepare for radical generosity. Prepare for your sacrificial gift. And just keep in mind, whatever you give out, God blesses in greater abundance coming back. So enjoy trusting God and being a blessing to his people. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.